Hello and welcome back to another episode of Uncovering Family History, a weekly podcast sharing the stories discovered through family history research. The highs, the lows, the exciting and even the mundane. Not only are we sharing stories but also research tips picked up along the way that can help you with your research going forward. This week we're returning to one of my favourite branches of the family and to another morbid story so a bit of a heads up the true crime lover in me craves these types of stories but as i did say back in the first episode it's the morbid stories that tend to have the most resources available to search so it can be an absolute field day for those researching their family trees But before we get to the morbid stuff, let's talk about genealogy apps and why you should definitely have one or two on your phone or tablet at all times. So with the world literally in the palm of our hands, it's not surprising that there are genealogy apps out there. Granted, there aren't a ton, but there are some great ones that you definitely need to be downloading and playing around with. While they might not be for you, there's really no harm in trying things out because you never really know when you'll come across a really handy gem to have in your back pocket. Pretty much all of the major online family tree services like Ancestry, MyHeritage, FamilySearch and Genie all have their own apps. I use Ancestry and honestly it's so great to have all my trees in my back pocket ready to access whenever I need it. Now some people are probably going to be wondering how often do you really need to have immediate access to your family tree when you're out on the go and you'd honestly be surprised at how often you do reach for the app because it's just such a handy thing to have within reach. It's super handy to be able to check a detail like a birth, death or marriage date, who a certain person is connected to or even how someone is related to you when you're out and about rather than trying to remember to check all that later when you're back at home in front of your computer. Plus, you can easily access the photos you've uploaded and update and research from your phone on the go without also having to navigate the mobile website of all these places. Sometimes that can be super difficult. And if you actually have... My Heritage, whether that is your go-to like family tree service or you just happen to have it in case of emergencies, I don't really know. Um, you can actually use their photo enhancer, in colour and deep nostalgia systems and anything else they're currently working on right from your phone, which is just really fun and really handy. So if you're only going to have one genealogy app on your phone, I definitely recommend it being your genealogy service of choice. Now there are actually a couple of these genealogy services that have more apps up their sleeve apart from their like main app and one of them is family search and in particular their family search memories app which allows you to upload and scan documents write stories record audio and upload and scan photos these uploads can then be accessed or downloaded later on through your family search account and i'm pretty sure you can connect all of these to your family tree if you actually use family search i'm not quite sure i don't use family search personally i've used this app to record oral family history to then listen back to and transcribe later on although there is one thing to note if you do want to use this for recording audio is that you can only record in 15 minute blocks so that is something to consider ancestry is another one that has multiple apps in the form of ancestry dna which gives you quick access to your ancestry dna results while this isn't an app i reach for a lot it's actually just handy 
to be able to access it whenever I do need it, particularly when I do get that notification from Ancestry saying, oh, you've got some updated DNA matches and information and whatever. It's really nice just to be able to go to the app on my phone rather than logging into Ancestry on my computer. And again, it saves you time and the difficulties of navigating the mobile website. Finally, a weird app to just generally have on your phone, but is a really handy thing to have if you are researching your family tree is find a grave. Now you may recall that this was a research I suggested you check out a couple of episodes back. So again it's just really handy to have the website in app form to again save you from navigating the mobile website while you're out exploring cemeteries. And if you're someone who has decided to fulfill grave photo requests it's super helpful to have access to those requests when you need them out in the cemetery rather than trying to write everything down and maybe having incorrect information or something like that. Some non-genealogical apps that are handy to use for on-the-go family history are voice memos for recording oral history, Google Drive for storing and backing up photos, documents and videos that you don't necessarily have uploaded to your family tree services and notes so you can jot down things while you're out and about. There are definitely many more apps out there and more seem to be popping up all the time. So please let me know what apps you use and have found the most helpful. Some of the apps I will say though are like very basic family tree apps that seem to be targeted towards like kids or younger audiences or people who are just going to put in or people who are just like making their family tree with like them and their parents and their grandparents and there's no sort of real like research basis behind it so do just be aware that there are those sorts of family tree apps out there as well and they're obviously not going to be as helpful to you as the others are going to be. Although I'm not utilizing all of these apps all the time they are just super handy to be able to use when the need arises. One branch where the need has arisen to use these apps on more than one occasion has been with my maternal grandmother's side. If you listened to episode one, and if you haven't, please go listen to it, you will be familiar with some of the more interesting members of my ancestry. This story actually goes back a few generations further than the story of Patrick Lawrence Gleason to his grandfather, William Hogan, and his two brothers, Thomas and James, and the heartbreaking events that ripped apart a family. Before I dive into the protagonists of this story, let me touch on the life of my fourth great-grandfather, William Hogan, who was born in 1821 in Ireland. William came out to Australia from Ireland with his wife, Ellen O'Brien, and their two children, Bridget and John, in November 1857. The couple settled on a farm in Benalla in Victoria and went on to have four more children between 1859 and 1865, Ellen, William, Margaret and Winifred, and I am descended from their third child, Ellen. At some point during the 1860s, William's two younger brothers, Thomas and James, emigrated to Australia as well, joining William in Benalla. William's time in Benalla was not all smooth sailing, however. Things started to take a turn in May 1866 when Ellen passed away suddenly. Ellen had gone to town with the dray and horse to do some shopping. With six children at home, the youngest of which was still breastfed, William grew worried when she failed to return home that evening. He went up to the gate to find the horse feeding, having returned home with Ellen deceased on the floor of the cart. Now, I'm yet to decipher the writing for the inquest of Ellen's death. 
but foul play was not involved here. It seems she unfortunately died of natural causes, leaving William to raise their young family. Adding to William's misfortunes, in January 1867, a stack of wheat caught alight and was completely consumed, decimating that season's fortunes. A few more incidents followed, and in 1873, William packed up his young family, his brothers included, and headed north to Bundalong on the Murray River, just down the road from Yarrawonga. William and his brothers erected many buildings on the 205-acre property, with Thomas eventually taking up a selection nearby and having James work for him. However, Thomas's fortunes were poor. He was not only broke and couldn't pay his brother, he'd also incurred a number of other debts. To help the situation, he signed a bill of sale for his land over to James, instantly regretting the decision afterwards. And this is where things took a horrific turn. On Saturday the 15th of February 1879, the three brothers were at the local pub, and naturally a lot of alcohol was consumed. Thomas was actually threatening to shoot anyone who made a disparaging remark about Ned Kelly, who at this time was still at large and would be captured the following June. Eventually, the three left and started to make their way back to Thomas's hut. Here, Thomas, who was growing irritable, twice brandished an axe, fueled on by the grog. It was around 2am that William, fearing what his brother could do in this state, told James to take his swag and spend the night at his place. However, when James left, Thomas followed with a gun. Thomas confronted James and the pair argued. When Thomas aimed his gun at James, the latter asked, quote, You're not going to shoot me, Tom, end quote, to which his brother replied, quote, I've got you now, you beggar, end quote. Thomas, who was standing quite close to his brother, fired a shot, the bullet lodging in James's left breast, killing him instantly. His clothes then caught a light due to the close proximity. William, who had been nearby and heard the exchange, rushed to try and extinguish the fire that was consuming his younger brother's body. Eventually, with the help of Hugh McKinnon and R. Moy from the pub, they were able to put the fire out, but James's body was considerably burnt and charred. When the police arrived at 9am, they found Thomas, unarmed, kneeling beside the body, lamenting his actions. However, as police approached him, rifles aimed, his mood turned, declaring, quote, Don't point that at me like that. If I had a gun, I'd drop you like a crock. End quote. He was arrested for the willful murder of his brother to be put on trial at the Beechworth's eyes. Thomas's trial was set for the 6th of May 1879 at Beechworth. The defence was calling it delirium tremens, severe alcohol withdrawal with symptoms such as shaking, confusion and hallucinations, with the argument being that such an attack, when it comes on suddenly, could cause a person to rise up with an axe. Therefore, they argued, that this meant his charge should be manslaughter, not murder. The prosecutor for the Crown didn't see it as such, stating that Thomas had already stated his intentions of shooting anyone who threatened or approached him, so it was most definitely murder. The jury returned a guilty verdict, and Thomas was sentenced to death by hanging at the Beechworth Jail. On the 9th of June 1879, a large crowd waited outside the gates of the jail, eager to get in a good spot near the gallows when they were allowed in. An article in Ovens and Murray Times from Tuesday the 10th of June reports, quote, 
Hogan had his irons struck off at an early hour that morning, and then appeared most calm and collected, even jovial, if reports speak true, for it is asserted that when the blacksmith was unriveting the manacles, the wearer exclaimed with a grim smile, "'Twould take a fellow a long time to pick these out with his fingers.' He, from the time of his trial up to Saturday morning, when he first appeared to feel the apparent dreadful position in which he was placed, assumed the most stolid apparent indifference to his fate. A few seconds before nine o'clock, the time appointed for execution, the passing bell was solemnly tolled. Hogan, who was perfectly calmed, walked with a firm step on the scaffold. Gately then placed him on the drop and affixed the rope in its proper position. In reply to a question put by the sheriff as to whether he had anything to say, the wretched criminal, who appeared remarkably cool, considering his position, simply replied no. The executioner then drew the cap over his victim's face, shot the bold, and in the twinkling of an eye the body was launched into space, death being instantaneous. End quote. Thomas's body was left to hang for an hour before a postmortem was carried out. His body was placed in a coffin full of quicklime and buried in a grave already containing two previously convicted men somewhere on the grounds of Beechworth Jail. He was the seventh of eight men to be executed at Beechworth. James, meanwhile, was buried at Barramine, later to be joined by his niece and brother after the turn of the century. And interestingly, I visited the Beechworth Courthouse and Old Beechworth Jail not long before hearing this story, walking into the condemned man's cell and standing above and below the gallows where Thomas took his final breath, and I didn't even know it. William, now without both his brothers, continued farming at Bundlong until he passed away in November 1907, outlived by all but one of his children. Again, a super morbid and heartbreaking story, but an extremely interesting one nonetheless. There's really no point being ashamed of finding such stories in your family tree. If anything, we should be preserving them because these are the stories that our ancestors tried their hardest to keep buried. And while it's understandable to see why stories like this have been swept under the rug and almost forgotten, it's kind of our duty as the keepers of our family history to make note of them. Because, like it or not, they're part of our ancestry. Again, my morbid love of true crime is why I love this story and that of Patty Gleason. <coughs> Again, my morbid love of true crime is why this story and that of Patty Gleason fascinates me. And that and they're just the tip of the true crime iceberg, I think. So get out there and make sure you're recording not only the good stories from your ancestry, but the bad ones as well. We should not be censoring what information is in our family tree, so don't go hacking off branches because you're ashamed. Learn and preserve. And if you're interested in getting involved with the podcast, having a chat with me, and sharing a story or two from your own ancestry, maybe they're morbid as well, then be sure to fill out the form linked in the episode and show notes. I can't wait to hear about what interesting stories you've been able to uncover in your research. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and follow me on social media to stay in the loop about new episodes and ways to get involved. Until next week, happy researching.